This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ghosty. I'm Beaker. And I'm DVO. And we are continuing our Conjuring movie showcase episodes. Yes. <laughs> With the final movie that just came out. We watched it already. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, we've only been warning you for like a month and a half that we're going to spoil this movie. <laughs> so here we go to spoil it for you, y'all. This one, um, they call it the Brookfield Demon Murder Case. Yes, the, the real one. But in the movie, it's called... The devil made me do it. That's the name of the movie. And well, they, it's did, all... they did call that that case, too. When the lawyer released his defense plans, the media ran with it, and they were calling it the devil made me do it the case. The devil made me do it. And this is all based around uh, Arnie Johnson, who yep. stabbed a priest. Was no. it, oh, was it a priest? No, not a it priest. It was his landlord. landlord. His landlord, yes. Yeah, stabbed his landlord. Um, and while he was possessed. Yeah. So let's, let's, not, let's not the give the, Arnie. let's give the, uh, characters real quick. So there's Arnie characters. Johnson, who <laughs> the that's char- the one that was on trial. <laughs> characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are real people, the but yeah, yeah characters. <laughs> the movie, they were characters. <laughs> Based on real people. <laughs> Based on real people. Oh my gosh. I can't control my <laughs> phone. You, <laughs> turn that porn off. What? Oh, what is your... It's cryptocurrency. <laughs> I'm getting my pie. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Arnie Johnson. So he's the uh, one on trial here. He was 19 years old at the time. Oh, that's gosh, that's so young. I'm gonna tell you ages. And he was engaged to Debbie Glatzel, who was 26. Really? Wow, yes, sir. Good for him. I Look didn't know him. that. They <laughs> actually met and started dating when he was only 16 years old. <gasps> dirty, dirty. And Great then they were robber. engaged. So they got engaged three years later. So when they were 19. Okay. When he was 19, she was 26, they were engaged. All right. So Debbie. Who's Cradle robbing Debbie. <laughs> Cradle robbing Debbie, whose little brother is David Glatzel. And he was 11. He was 11. He was the one that was originally uh, possessed. And then, of course, we have our characters, Lorraine and Ed, a.k.a. Patrick McDreamboat. Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ages unknown. <laughs> I didn't write down their ages. Not during this trial. I'm going off of my notes that I left in my car. Um, okay. And I didn't write down their ages because I didn't think it was important. And this all happened in uh, 81. Yeah. Or like 80, 81-ish. Yeah, the Warrens got involved in 80, 1980. 1980. And then the... The stabbing occurred. Stabbing was 81. Yes. And then the trial, all that was also 81. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was only 19, but she was 26. He, yes. Whoa. Yep. He, uh, she was like seven years older than him. Interesting. Okay. She was grooming him <laughs> <laughs> to the man she and wants. And they're still together. Yes. Well, they are. And they have two kids. That's amazing. Amazing. It worked out. Good for them. Did Good. you know that he was, he had to grow up quick though. So he was kind of more mature for his age. Okay. Because when he was younger... Um, and he was like a good kid from what I understand. He was like, you know, sang in the church choir. He was like a mm. boy scout and into sports, uh, into sp- Yeah. He was into sports. Um, at one point, I guess he took all the money he had saved up and bought his mom a used car. So she wouldn't have to walk to work. Really? Uh, yeah. I really like Arnie Johnson. Yeah. Arnie's so a great guy. He, Arnie was a great guy. He was all around good guy. Like he ended up, his mom got sick. Uh, so he ended up dropping out of high school so he could uh, take care of his mom. So you might get, you make you wonder what did his landlord do to really piss him off? <laughs> Raise the rent. <laughs> 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 the 
That must have been it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been pissed too. <laughs> I can't remember. How did the movie even, how, did, how was the beginning of this movie? So they were in the house, right? The Glatzel home? Uh, yeah. It starts out with the exorcism. I and mean, I know you were very disappointed because you were hoping that Patrick Wilson would be playing a guitar again at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and I could have called you about it. And... <laughs> okay, first off, Conjuring 2 it was like halfway through the movie. Right? And his Elvis impersonation was not spot on, but it was, you know, but he's this... dreamy. <laughs> but, but this movie started off with him getting a heart attack. <laughs> oh, yeah. And having like having a stroke and something. Yeah, so I mean, like the that. beginning of the movie, I mean, he gets right into it, right? It's like, we're, we got this little demon child and we got to hold him down. And it ain't working. I didn't get to watch the movie again and I can't remember anything about it. You know, I just saw the once in the theater and I thought it was, you know, stuff's been shut down. For you know, year and a half or whatever, because of boo. The COVID, boo. I thought the the best movie to make my return trip to the theaters was this movie, Conjuring Three. Were you? And boy, were you? I was I was disappointed. Really? Um, I oh liked yeah. It. it was. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Go see. What did you think? I can't remember it. I wanna. I wanted to watch it again. I think I was totally passed out dude during was, most of it. Dude was high. I could have eaten. Some edibles. <laughs> I could have. Most likely I did. And I either was like in and out of sleep. And I was like seeing things and passing out. Like, I don't know if it was really the movie or if it was my dreams. That... Well, I was calling Tim and telling him all about Patrick McDreamboat. <laughs> You're the one having dreams about him. so About me telling you all about him. <laughs> so he could see these things. Patrick Wilson came over to my house and sang to me. <laughs> you should have been there. <laughs> in my dreams. <laughs> But yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember the movie, um, so I can't tell you whether I liked it. So, or not. like the first like twenty minutes, maybe if that mm-hmm. is based on the actual like case, and then the rest of it is just made up bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the case is pretty interesting. The case is very interesting. So the the way this whole thing started was with uh, what's what's the little boy's David. name? David. David. Uh, getting pushed down onto a bed while they were looking at homes. Yeah, so they were engaged, right? So they're looking for uh, Arnie and um, Ar- Debbie. Arnie and Debbie, yeah, we're looking for. And David's a, a, tagging along with them. Yep. Uh, is this is the movie or the real story. Real story. Real story. Real story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real story. Yeah, they're um, looking for a place to live because uh, they're engaged, and uh, they get to this one rental property they're looking at, and I guess David like kind of didn't even want anything to do with the house, but uh, eventually went in, and there was in one of the bedrooms there was like a, a water bed. That was left behind for whatever reason. Because they're heavy as shit. Probably. <laughs> they're paying the ass to move. Yeah, I would have left them. Um, they do kind of touch on this a little bit in the movie. Like yeah, uh-huh. later on in the movie, kind of give some backstory. Um, but uh, he reportedly said that there was an old man that he saw, like a, a dark shaped. Or I guess he was wearing like a plaid shirt. After he got pushed down. Yeah, they pushed them down, and like the spirit basically warned them not to move into the house, or it was going to cause problems for the family. And they did. Yeah, because later, later when he went back home, it pushed him again at his house. But when he turned around, it was the same individual. But this time, the individual, the old, the old man that pushed him, um, this time he looked burnt and had deer legs. Is that how he described it? Yeah, like animal-like characters. In the movie, was it in a was it? Well, they were looking at rental properties, or was it when they in the movie like when they were their moving, house that they lived yeah, in? Yeah, I think in the movie it sounded like it was like they were moving into a house, like their his house, and yeah. then that happened 
um, like the first day they were moving. And that's what it kind of seemed like, but I, I mean, I didn't grasp it right. I wonder if they just try to speed things up so they weren't doing right, so much. Right. Probably, yeah, because from what I understand, um, I've kind of read it two different ways on mm-hmm. a couple different websites. One said they actually moved into the house. The other one was they felt really uncomfortable, especially after what David was describing. So they decided not to move in the house. They mm-hmm. actually moved into a uh, an apartment or something near where Debbie worked. And Debbie's boss was also their landlord. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. And so how soon after that occurred did David start having these weird possession episodes where they were having to hold him down? It seemed like it was right. Yeah, that's when it started, and it just pretty, continued. Pretty, pretty intensely. Yeah. And it almost seemed to happen on clockwork almost at 11 p.m. at each time. Like, once around 11 p.m. started coming around, all of a sudden David changed. He was just, he was not the same David. He was, he was, he was something else, some, something else. So I want to say this was like July, 1980 or was it January? It was one of the J months. Um, but I do know that, that, uh, the Warrens did say that it was known that David had a learning disability. Yes, he did. And you know, that makes you wonder, was that why it kind of attacked or attached to him? Because I think like something evil attaches to weak, right? Cause it's easier. Yeah. To, to manipulate and attach to, to someone or something that's weak. Yeah, that's why Ghosty always gets attacked. Yeah. <laughs> get touched <laughs> by it. Gets his butt touched. Because it's weak sauce. It's all flat. <laughs> Look at that weak ass. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but, but like in the... <laughs> that wasn't that funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was. But like in the movie, it, it would take like four to five people to hold David down. He's like an 11-year-old little boy. It would take four to five people to hold him down. And he and he still would be able to, to break free. And so then when he would break free, he would attack. Yes, he would attack. He was known for striking and, and spitting. Uh, both staff fighting. abilities. <laughs> both staff. staff. <laughs> He's got both staff skills. But um, he even tried to stab his uh, in in real life. I guess he tried yeah. to stab his grandma with a knife at one point. And his mom, mom and grandma. No, okay. After it was after after an exorcism that didn't that didn't go through. They did three lesser exorcisms on this kid and i don't know in what churches quali- i don't know what qualifies as a lesser exorcism and what like a greater one would be i don't i don't understand yeah that's that. a good point so in the movie he he runs after after that exorcism he he goes to his room and then you know for whatever reason ends up in the bathroom uh and then runs out and stabs his dad with broken glass but but in real life uh, he he did run into the bathroom at one point, and they could hear him just like laughing maniacally in the bathroom, but didn't come out trying to stab anybody. But at some point after one of the failed exorcisms, he did have a knife and try to stab his mom and grandma. Psycho. <laughs> so according to Lorraine, mm-hmm. um, I think when I think it was the day they got there, she said she saw like a black mist appear behind David. And that confirmed to her that, that he was possessed. Mm. Um, then she's also, like, at one point, I think it was during one of the exorcisms, she said she saw, like, invisible hands starting to choke him. And she literally saw, like, red, like, uh, handprints uh, starting to form on his neck. On David? Yeah. Okay. Um, she's Some of the other things she said she saw was um, him flipping over from, like, head to toe. And they actually did that in the movie during the exorcism uh-huh. at the beginning. Um, there was also reports of levitation uh, that uh, apparently he was doing. Yeah, Ed saw him levitate, Ed Warren. 
Now, one thing that's kind of hard to believe, but it would have been really cool to get evidence of this, was the model toy dinosaur that David made. And oh, yeah. he had just made this dinosaur, and then they see it like come to life almost, and it comes walking across the room and then talks to them. Yeah. Yeah, what did it say? It said, uh, oh, you're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been crazy to have captured some yes. type of evidence. I know they do have some of the exorcisms on audio, and they did play some of it on the movie. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to this case, they lost the case. Spoiler alert, they lost <laughs> the case. And the reason why they thought they were going to win it was because they thought they could use all this evidence from the possessions, the exorcisms, and the uh, priests to testify that were there. Right. I mean, there you, you just jumped way to the end here. Yeah, so there's like a lot of stuff in the middle we no, can no, talk no. about. <laughs> All right. So we talked about David being possessed, and some now, of the lesser exorcisms, and, and now the case jail. is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Spoiler alert. Forget all the stuff in the middle. We don't want that nonsense. Oh, I was going to get to something <laughs> about that, but it had to do with the middle. Now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, Lorraine also said that the night that they showed up started off kind of weird because on the way to, to the house... Ed kind of tripped on the stairs and fell, and they brought a doctor with them because, uh, you know, it was a little boy, so they brought a doctor, and the doctor was kind of making fun of Ed for falling, but then the doctor kind of tripped and fell as well. And so Lorraine was like, this is kind of starting off already kind of weird. They're you all having are, strokes. Yeah, you guys are just like <laughs> falling down, going up the steps here to the house. Ed was a portly man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Not yeah, Patrick, don't know. though. No, no, not, not Patrick. Patrick. He is fit as a fiddle. <laughs> You know, he wouldn't be having no heart attacks. <laughs> but oh, but during these exorcisms, the, 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 some of them happened in, in churches, and six priests were involved, three of them from the Vatican. That's how serious this got. And, and it was actually a priest that actually reached out to the Warrens because this priest was like, I can't, I can't handle this. Um, I, I, need, I need some more help. And, and he reached out to the Warrens, and then the Warrens got more priests and, and the Vatican involved. So that kind of shows you how kind of serious this was kind of getting for this family. Until it went to trial. Until it went to trial. So what happened was, this is where uh, Arnie comes back into the into play here, I guess. Um, during one of these exorcisms. Actually, want me to, actually, before you do that, I got some other cool things that Ed said that happened in, during these exorcisms. Oh, by all means, yes. So in one of the churches, he was, I don't know, he was saying... Oh, he was actually doing some provoking, some some provoking, and a, a rocking chair in the corner just started rocking violently. There was banging on the walls, and down in the basement of the church, they could hear growling coming from the basement. I knew someone. I know someone. What? I know yes. someone that provoked a spirit at uh, uh, an investigation once oh, and yeah. got a rock thrown at him. Yeah. I think we talked about that on the Lurch. We did. Stuff. It was actually, yeah, it was, it was, it Lurch, was Lurch himself. Yeah. Provoking a, a spirit in the family tree and yes. had a rock thrown at him. That's spooky. Don't provoke. <laughs> okay, that's all I had. <laughs> that's it. Okay. So, spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> for that stuff. Just some more spooky stuff. Spooky, spooky. Um, so, yeah, during one of these exorcisms, I guess Arnie like went to David and basically said to the... During, oh, exorcism. during an exorcism. During an exorcism, uh, uh, so first off, uh, they claim that they confirmed that there was 43 demons inhabiting David. Yeah, and Ed was calling them devils, calling them devils, and then like there was a main one called the Beast. Yeah, and they saw, they saw this, quote-unquote, the Beast 
um, on the grounds of the property, and David had seen it in the house. Was this also the burned man? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. This sounds like Split. <laughs> With James McAvoy. Oh, oh the movie? <laughs> Yeah, he's got like twenty three personalities, and like the Beast is the last one that emerges. Now, who said? That? Cause I, I heard Ed in an interview say that he thought it was just one. You know, he he calls it a devil, one devil possessing David. But then he had a vision, and it was like a kaleidoscope where just like continuous faces were just appearing to him, and it, it was more than yeah, it was forty three. It was forty three, and I, apparently they got names of some of them. Oh, okay, interesting. So probably during like David probably talking probably. during exorcisms, probably. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the names and whatnot. But yeah, they they, they said there was forty three in him. Hmm. Um, and during one of these exorcisms, Arnie basically went and said, you know, um, I don't have the exact quote on me, but it was like, leave him alone, leave my little buddy alone. Yeah, leave my little buddy alone. You know, take me instead. Uh-huh type of thing bad move arnie yes very bad move it's another thing you should never do never invite never provoke never invite um but i guess after this happened after arnie did this uh david was fine i guess um yeah i never heard anything that bothered david again actually everything just seemed to go right to arnie yeah so but did it happen instantly or did it it seemed to happen pretty soon after. It was cause, pretty quick because they went to like a like a pizza parlor, and all of a sudden Arnie was missing for a while, and he came back, and they said he just was someone different, and then that's when it just started. It just started happening pretty soon after. There was a a point in time where I guess he was in his car, and he said all the doors like locked, and he couldn't get out, and then his mm. car started driving and drove straight into a tree. Oh, uh, so he's claiming that. The uh, the entity that was inhabiting his body at the time drove him into a tree. Um, there was reports of uh, from Debbie that he would, they'd find him in the in the house that they were renting or apartment or whatever. He was in the the backyard, uh, staring down a well, oh, like a water well. And uh, Arnie says that's when he First, became fully possessed. Yeah, is when he looked into the eyes because the. The entity the apparently was the beast was living in the well right. and he made eye contact with it. And that's when he says he became fully possessed. Yeah. No, we did say we I know we just said that David really didn't show any signs of any possessions after that. But there is um, times where David told the Warrens that the beast spoke to him and said, um, Arnie is going to fall out of a tree. And in the movie, you know, he's, he's playing with it. He's cutting down limbs with a chainsaw, and he did fall out of a tree. Uh, so that did happen. He did fall so out he, of a tree. Yeah, uh, Arnie was a tree surgeon. Um, that was his job. He was... What a title. Tree surgeon. Tree surgeon. Ooh, Ooh, fancy. He trimmed trees. <laughs> and so um, David said the beast told him Arnie would fall out of a tree. So he did. And in the movie, he did. But nothing about a chainsaw. But um, They also mentioned that uh, something about a stabbing. To David. Oh, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, uh, I heard that uh, David also mentioned, um, I don't know if it was during his time as uh, being possessed or if it was afterwards, but they, they say that he actually foreshadowed the, the murder, um, oh. saying that he saw like someone being stabbed. And, and also David said that the Beast told him that during Arnie's trial, the lights would dim. And I guess during the trial, the lights dimmed. So David already conveyed this before the trial and then at the trial it happened. So, yeah, there was, uh, I guess, other times. So maybe he wasn't possessed, but he was still somehow 
you know, being, being influenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Okay, interesting. So yeah, yeah. They also said that they found him like sometimes like in rooms, just like vacant look on his David? face, like uh, Arnie. Oh, Arnie. Like uh, growling and like his his facial features. I guess like when the when the stabbing actually happened, um, his facial features changed. Um, but they they said they found him like growling sometimes. I think at one point they heard like two voices coming out of him. Uh, one was his oh, voice and one was somebody else's voice. Wow. Like uh, he was communicating. I think or so. Having con- conversing. But what happened with the uh, Enfield case we talked about for Conjuring 2 where um, the little girl was talking as herself and as the the spirit. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. But so after all of this, uh, we get to February 16th, 1981. When uh, I guess Arnie was feeling a little under the weather, said he had a little bit of sore throat, so he called out sick to work. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, instead of going to work or staying home and and recovering, he went to go visit his girlfriend Debbie at um, her job as a dog groomer. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't by himself. Uh, they had his two little sisters. Um, I don't remember the names with him yeah oh interesting so so when when it happened his two sisters were there um one was 15 and one was like 11 and then they had um debbie's uh cousin nine-year-old cousin mary was there and she was um they all wanted to like see her grooming a dog okay and so in the movie it was just arnie debbie and her Boss slash landlord. So yeah, in the the guy's real name uh, is Alan Bono. In yeah. the movie, they changed the name to Bruno Salas for some reason. Yeah, probably didn't want his likeness in the movie. Didn't get the approval. So oh, good idea. So we had Wanda, who's fifteen years old, and then Janice, who's thirteen years old, and then ah. um, those are Arnie's sisters, and then uh, Mary, like I said, the nine year old cousin of Debbie. So they're all there to like watch Debbie groom this dog. <laughs> Exciting. Right. It's like a field trip. Um, and I guess at one point, like, so Alan was, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Arnie had to kind of grow up quick. He was a little uh-huh. mature for his age just because of his life situations. Arnie was, you know, uh, not Arnie, um, Alan, laid back dude. You know, he was 40 years old, um, single, uh, apparently loved to talk about himself. Okay. Um, very laid back. See, he'd actually spent like 17 months in Australia working on a plantation just huh. because. Huh. Um, the, I guess the reason why he came back, and this is all, this. Uh, so this whole story took place in uh, Brookfield, uh, Connecticut. Yep. Um, so I guess uh, Alan's sister had asked him to come back and, and be in charge of the kennel. Hmm. So like I said, Alan was... Not only their landlord, but Debbie's boss mm-hmm. uh, running the kennel. And he actually lived in an apartment that was above the kennel. Right. And that day, I guess, you know, they were all there and he didn't seem to really care. In fact, he actually invited him out to lunch. Uh, took him to a local bar or pizza Alan. parlor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and took all the kids, you know, all of them out to lunch hmm. uh, for pizza or something like that. And so there is reports or claims that they ordered a lot of wine. And that 
you know, Alan apparently was saying that, you know, he's quitting drinking next weekend. So that was his <laughs> excuse for drinking as much as he did. The, I guess the bar owner. I played that role the, a couple times. <laughs> I played that card. <laughs> uh, I guess the waitress. Um, I've done that before too. I'm quitting next week. <laughs> I'll drink all this now. Um, they said between, between Arnie and Alan, there was 15 glasses of wine. Okay. Okay. Uh, and over like a three hour period. Yeah. They're drunk. Alan was definitely drunk. Um, now Arnie and Debbie will, I guess they still stick to the story that Arnie didn't really drink much cause there was kids around and someone had to be responsible. Um, I don't know for sure. And another play to Arnie's character is that, you know, he would work all day landscaping, being a surgeon for trees, <laughs> and then he'd come home, eat and, you know, hang out with the family and he would, he would kind of stay with, with David and then when David would, would wake up around 11 o'clock being possessed, Arnie was up all night holding him down during these possessions and he stayed up all night and had to wake up early and, and go to work the next day. Just kind of show a little bit more of his character, how he was I, so helpful. I think the whole family did that. They'd like take turns, like mm-hmm. someone would sleep during the day so they could be up late uh, at night with David. Oh, man, yeah, crazy. Um, but it gets to the point where I guess they got home or back to the kennel, more or less, and... Alan was drunk and wanted to continue having a good time. So I guess he turned on the stereo really uh-huh. loud and somehow convinced all the girls to go up into his apartment. Uh-huh. Um, except for Arnie. He was the only one that didn't want to go up. And I guess he, I've read two different things. One said that he grabbed Debbie and wouldn't let Debbie go. One said he grabbed Mary, the nine year old, and wouldn't let Mary go. Um, either way, he grabbed somebody, uh-huh. and Arnie had to basically convince him to let go of whoever he was holding. Okay. So uh, Alan's pretty intoxicated. Fun uh, guy. Pretty intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Possibly Arnie was also intoxicated. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess they got into, like, an argument. Uh, and it's it's weird how the story differs so much, because I guess they the one place i was reading said they were arguing over the stereo like uh arnie came over to repair the stereo and they're arguing over the price or the cost of the repairs mm-hmm. um and then others say it was about him the way he was acting about grabbing the girl yeah and both situations happen in the movie where arnie's fixing the the, the radio and i mean they didn't fight over that and then arnie's seeing visions of alan being inappropriate with with debbie so that so was that actually, was, yeah, that was kind of in the that movie. was Yeah, that was one of the theories that, like, that Debbie and Alan might have been having, you know, they were more than just employee-employer relationship, mm. that they were maybe fooling around, although Debbie denies that, obviously. Um, so the, they think that it's possible that Arnie could have been jealous, but they say that's not a factor. Um, but eventually, I guess, he got to the point where, while they were arguing, I guess... I think Wendy and Debbie tried to get in between them. Okay. And then all of a sudden, Arnie just got this vacant look on his face, and his eyes went, like, pitch black. Um, They said his facial features started to change. And then next thing I know, uh, Alan fell to the ground. And apparently, Arnie had taken out his pocket knife, like this five-inch kind of, like, folding knife that he used for work. Mm-hmm. and stabbed Alan four to five times in the chest uh-huh. area. But he said he blacked out during these two it, hours, like a two-hour block. Uh-huh. Yeah, he doesn't remember any of it. Which, Sounds like alcohol. Which alcohol <laughs> can do that. I've had that with I've, alcohol. 
Never blacked out on alcohol. You're lucky. I, I don't know that I am, but I mean, I guess <laughs> no, I you am, are. Yeah, you are. You're lucky. Yeah, I've never blacked out. Yeah. Drinking. It's, um, there's funny stories <laughs> that follow whenever that happens. But, but. Here, here's what's interesting. <laughs> I, just, I just thought of right now, though. So David had this knack for wanting to stab people. Right? <laughs> and and uh, as if we're thinking that the possession moved, moved from David to Arnie. Now, Arnie literally did actually stab somebody. So, you know... It, has a tendency to be a little stabby McStab face over there. Yeah, that spirit is <laughs> definitely stab happy. <laughs> so I just, I just, I just kind of thought of that correlation just now. So, is there any interviews um, of David after nope. he's an adult? No, he's mm. never spoken about it. Wow. But what also means so he's not he's not basically hasn't affirmed everything, but he hasn't denied anything that's been said though. He just doesn't want to. He doesn't want to talk about it. And I, and I think you know I think he's married now. And he was working. For for his dad, his dad's business, or something like that. His older brother Carl did speak out about it, though. Oh, really? What yeah. What happened in that? That happened in two thousand six. Um, so the case, I guess, I guess, like they, uh, I think Debbie called nine one one, and said that you know Alan was dead, and uh, Arnie took off. Like they found him. What was it like a mile or two away or something like that? Yeah, I didn't find anything about that. They found him. I, I, I guess they found him uh, a little ways away. He wasn't there, and they found him like in the bushes or something. He was covered in blood, just like kind of in the the movie. But in the movie, he was just kind of staggering down the street. He was just walking down the street. Yeah, I did. I did hear, but they. I think I, they did find him covered in blood. Like his hands definitely were covered. I in blood. did see pictures of the knife that they, okay. when they found him and they found the knife, they uh-huh. took pictures of the knife. And it wasn't, you know, a very big knife or anything. Because it was like um, a pocket knife. Yeah, it was just like yeah. a pocket knife. It was like a five-inch blade. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the people that uh, found the knife, they were saying that it had this, like, weird glow to it. Like, it just, even the, like, mm. the police officer and whatnot, they, they said it felt weird. There was, like, a weird energy about the knife. Mm, I didn't hear that. Interesting. Maybe um, the knife is the possessed. Maybe. Maybe well, stabby McStab face. The, the, <laughs> well, we leave we leave our energy everywhere we go. We leave yeah. traces of ourselves, so it's possible. Like if there was a demonic entity within Arnie, it's possible that, especially if it was controlling him and making him stab Alan. Yeah, being stab it, happy spirit. Stab, yeah, the, the McStabberson, <laughs> um, <laughs> Mister Stabby, uh, Stabby Van Stabberson, Stabby McStabberson. Um, it's possible he could have left some residual energy on the knife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or and this all, everything that we just talked about happens basically within the first like fifteen to twenty minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. Um, I guess he was indicted like the next day for the murder, mm-hmm. and then the trial basically took place from there until November. Yeah, sweet. You guys want to get into the trial now? Then anything else we we're missing? Oh no, uh, I do have something. Actually, um, in in the movie with David and the waterbed, you know, so in the movie he's laying on the waterbed, and then a hand rises up out of the waterbed and grabs him, and he jumps out of it. Very black hand. Yeah. So I guess uh, Arnie and Debbie did say that they were, I believe, they were sleeping in David's room on the floor, and. A green skeletal hand came out of out of up from out of the floor. I mean, that was about it. They saw it come up, so that was pretty interesting. Um, 
I think I, I think I got all the interesting things here. I think so. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so trial possible. They go to trial. They go to trial. <laughs> it's something happened in the movie where he was hearing. You know, he was still. It was that, talking to him in in jail. That happened in the movie. I don't. I didn't find anything that if it was really something that was happening. Um, really, where he was kind of being talked to by the spirits while he was in yeah, jail. I don't hear but oh, if you remember in the movie. Uh, Debbie and David visited Arnie, and d- yeah, David actually said something that makes you feel like he still was connected. So he wasn't being possessed anymore, but he was still being spoken to. He was still having a connection yeah. to this evil entity. So I remember, I can't remember exactly what David said, but it was something where he's like, no, it, I can't, I can't even remember. I don't, know. I don't remember either, but I, I can, I could probably force myself to sit down through that crappy movie again. <laughs> it makes you wonder though if, if David still has that connection maybe that's why he doesn't want to talk about it maybe maybe he tells him don't talk about me anymore <laughs> or, he's, or, you know, or he wants to forget about it because it was really bothered him for years maybe That'll maybe not anymore hopefully it's possible <laughs> yeah but yeah so the case uh, when the, it was the, the lawyer put his neck out on the line for this Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be like a, a spirit. And so did the judge. The judge was like, "I don't want to talk about this in my court, but I got no choice. I got, you know, I got this kid being on trial but <laughs> for yeah, murder." So they thought they were they were going to win this case just based off of their evidence, but this judge decides not to use any of it uh-huh. or, or the priests, and so pretty much that whole their whole case gets thrown out almost. Because there was a maybe maybe it goes to this what you were talking about. There was a case previously. Where they used um, possession as um, as a defense, and the lady got away with it. I shouldn't say got away with it because I don't know if she really was possessed. I don't know so that, that was in England. So this was actually the first. There, I think there was two uh, in England where they used possession as a defense, and I think one was for a rapist, and then mm-hmm. one was for the one that you were just talking about. Well, this is the first one in the U.S. First recorded oh, first in the US. case in the U.S. Uh, of demonic possession. And one thing I, I thought was interesting, and I. I kind of missed this uh so this murder that took place uh here in brookfield uh, it was the first uh the i guess the town at this point had been established for about 139 years and this is the first recorded murder right in the 139 right. years ter- or at least oh, at least within the 30 years um that they actually had police records but yeah for like almost 140 years this is the first like murder that yeah. ever happened in this town wow. so it was it was, that was another odd thing about mm-hmm. this this whole case. But the uh, lawyer Martin Manolella, I'm saying this totally wrong. This is why we record at one o'clock in the morning. Um, or I guess it's only midnight. But Manella, I think that's what it is. M I N N E L L A. Sure. That guy, Martin. His name's Martin. Yeah, he. I guess he was a little hesitant to use this defense at first, but uh, decided to go with it. And like you said, the judge just threw it out. He said it was uh, un- unadmissible, like it was unscientific, and just overly confusing, unnecessarily confusing for the, the jury. Yeah. Um, basically, he was saying that there's no way to prove um, that they're the demonic possession. You know, so they wouldn't use any of the testimony from the Warrens. Uh, they wouldn't use any of the testimony from the priests. Uh, so he had to go basically with the self-defense route. Right. Because Ed, Ed Warren felt like he's, they had enough evidence with the recordings uh, that 
the eyewitnesses. Yeah, yeah, witnesses. Credible eyewitnesses. Well, priests are pretty good witnesses, you think? Yeah, you don't think that they would lie on the, especially they were putting their hand on the Bible and swearing. Right, exactly. But the judge didn't want anything of it, and, and Ed wasn't mad at the judge because he understood. He's like he didn't want to be the judge known for the devil made me do it case. Well, interesting fact. I think after it came came out with a demonic possession um, defense, uh, the church backed off like hardcore. They basically mm. said that they never sanctioned any of the exorcisms. They never gave approval for the exorcisms. And they basically kind of gave a, a gag order, more or less, on all the six priests and told them they were not allowed to talk about it. But why would they send three from the Vatican then? I have no idea. Right? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, I get it. Also, from the, the church standpoint, too. Like, well, I think we don't want to be involved. I think the three local priests uh-huh. were all transferred to different parishes after the fact. Yeah. So yeah, the and I, I get it from from a religious standpoint. When yeah. when a case goes this mainstream, uh, mainstream, yeah. um, I could see why they would be like, yeah, no, nope, get away. Nope. <laughs> I, I I get it too. I get it too. So yeah, they, they, from what I understand, the church backed off like mm. super hardcore. And like, but apparently, I guess the, these six priests were in the court. They were waiting to give testimonies, but they were not allowed to be called upon. But from what Ed was saying is that they were in the court waiting. They're like, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll talk. But nope, judge said, nope, stay that out there. That doesn't make sense as a judge because, I mean, if they were eyewitnesses, you don't have to take them on the stand as a, as a priest, but just as an eyewitness. Yeah. Different times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was the 80s, baby. You're right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were the only one born. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> Cause I was I was born like a year after this happened. Same, samezies. <laughs> and so I, the the trial so didn't they, last long. The tri- I'm I don't to think, think of so because February, if there wasn't much so of a he, case. Murder happened in February. Conviction. He was uh, so over three days, fifteen hours over three days. The jury uh, on November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. So you're looking at what eight months. Yeah, from and I'm sure eight months it was from like, murder to conviction, he was convicted of first degree manslaughter. Served ten or sentenced ten to twenty years. Yes, and I guess he was out within five for good behavior. Which kind of also kind of shows you about his his, well, his character, the, like what we talked about at the beginning, where he was this upstanding citizen. Yeah, and he was willing to help people out. Like he was a good guy, and. He stabbed someone to death. <laughs> I guess he didn't die instantly either. Like he died in the hospital later that night. Okay. A couple hours later. Uh, that sucks. But yeah. Alcohol sucks. <laughs> it's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the devil made me do it. Um, so what do you guys think? Especially when it comes to some of these things like this uh, dinosaur walking across the room. I would love to have been able to see that. Like that, that type of shit sounds super unbelievable almost. Um, but, I mean, I've seen some unbelievable shit as well. So. I just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to see, like, because I haven't seen an inanimate object. Start moving. Yeah, especially yeah. when they said it was walking. Like, I could see if and it talking. was just like, I could see if it like slid across the room. Uh-huh. You know, I could yeah. see that sliding across the room, but but actual the legs like up and trotting across, and then speaking. Yeah, closest I've gotten is a lock, a uh, padlock that was on a door, uh, started slamming against oh, the door on its own, and I I was I thought that the door 
that I was standing next to one because I was literally standing right next to this lock and I just hear it like a slam, like really hard on the door right behind me. Wow. That was probably like two inches from my shoulder. Like it wasn't that far away. And I thought maybe it's like a gust of wind or whatever because there's this door. I thought it went outside. Uh, it was actually a storage room. Oh. Um, so I don't know how the lock would have lifted up and slammed against the door as hard as it did. Um, so I didn't actually see it. Um, I do have video at Asylum 49 of a curtain flying up and hitting the ceiling on its own. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. I showed that, that to you guys. Yeah, I showed that, yep. oh, okay, that yeah. uh, family tree. Yeah. Uh, I pulled it up on my, my now forever gone laptop um, <laughs> and showed it to you guys. Uh, yeah, I remember that. But that, that hallway that happened in, like there was no one down that hall. Um, and there was, I mean, it was in the middle of the building where there's no exits to the outside no windows or anything so it's not, it wasn't a gust of wind or anything and i guess when that happened uh people i was with actually saw someone standing uh behind that curtain oh okay mm, interesting oh yeah i remember so it is possible but for, was it but it wasn't a live person no it was not we, we got clarify that <laughs> it was not a li- it was not a living person that did that uh, so it is possible um yeah that, that's the part that really gets to me um when i heard the talking Ed i don't that. know though it, and and i guess not only did that that uh, dinosaur speak and said you're all going to die, but someone had actually I think an EVP or or recording of uh, I think it was an, actually an EVP where the same voice came in and said something else. Like I can't remember actually what it said, but it it said something else. So, so. yeah, that's all the real stuff. Um, the movie when it gets to the trial, the Warrens are like trying to convince the lawyer to do the demonic possession defense and the guy's like i think it was a lady actually in the movie mm-hmm. she's like no way and they're like tell you what you know come visit our museum of haunted horrors and horrors not horrors <laughs> <laughs> come visit our museum and if we make you a believer then you know do the defense and then uh-huh. you know they're, they're making this bargain with the lawyer and then it cuts to them in the court and the lawyer's like uh not guilty by you know, demonic possession. So it didn't actually show the lawyer going to their, their museum, but it just right away. The lawyer's like, yep, he was possessed. (laughs) And then there's the, the rest of the movie. They do kind of some backtracking, kind of explain what happened to David, uh, where the, the entity came from. Um, there was some shit about, uh, witch totems that was like under the bed. Under the house. Uh, it was, yeah. Oh, under the house, yeah. under the bed. Directly under the bed, but under the house. And throughout the movie, like, one gets sent to the Warrens through a vase of flowers. Mm-hmm. I did like the little, like, oh, this one's from the Perrin family. <laughs> yeah, a little shout out. Yeah. Oh, some flowers. Again, in the beginning of the movie where David jumps on, on Ed Warren, actually gives, gives him a heart attack. And so that's why the flowers are being sent to, like, Hope you feel better. Get well soon. And then there's like some little side story about um, other. So the witch totem thing's not real. So I'm assuming this little side story is all yeah, just too. it's Hollywood. Um, but they go to like some other county where there was something similar that happened to uh, another girl. Just went like crazy. She and, stabbed like, another girl. She stabbed her like best friend. They were on yeah. the ones. Um, they go to, and I, I did kind of think this was funny though. They go to this other county. Uh, and they're talking to the police department, and the guy was just like, he didn't want to give them anything. Like the detective. Yeah, the detective didn't want to give the Warrens anything, like any information, either case files or anything. And they didn't believe, you know, in possessions and stuff like that. And so the guy was like trying to prove 
that Lorraine can do what she said she could do. Mm-hmm. And lays out like four or five knives on the table and is like, tell me which one of these knives was used in this murder of the girl. And Ed's like throwing a fit, like, oh, she doesn't have to prove mm-hmm. anything to you guys. And as he's like arguing, uh, Lorraine just goes, it was this one. And yeah. pushes it forward. And the detective gets all like, oh, my gosh. How'd she so, do that? And then it's kind of some funny stuff. As they're driving to where the murder happened, Lorraine's like, you're going to miss the turn. It's up here on the right. Yeah. Um, He's like, oh, yeah. Like this whole sequence, this whole like side story was actually really cool and very right. well done. Um, unfortunately, it's all bullshit. Yeah. Um, but like she's able to like go and like transport herself into the time that this happened. Yeah, like astral girls. project herself in time. Like, it's a very fascinating sequence. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it gets to the point where she's, like, running through the woods, and they're chasing her, and she almost falls off a cliff. And that's when they, that's how she finds the body. Because I guess they searched all over the place. They even had, like, divers looking for this body of this girl, uh, and they couldn't find her. But after uh, Lorraine's um, episode here, they were able to find the body of the girl. And so I think that's when they opened up, like, some of the police records. I was, because they did use names in this. I was actually curious if this was actually a real... A, a real event that happened or if it was just made up for for the movie i'm curious about that didn't see i didn't i didn't see any of that anywhere in the research because everything that i looked at focused mainly on arnie the glettles and arnie yeah um so i mean it would be cool if that actually happened i i just i don't think it did yeah i'm gonna look at because like i said they used names so i'm gonna look see if well then there's the whole something. little the the whole story like i guess ed went to visit a priest and uh, they did change the so there was a priest one of the priests involved. Um, they changed his name in the movie to uh, I can't remember where they changed his name to, but there was a priest that I did consult with. Um, like I said, there were six actually. Um, but in the movie, I guess you know they find out that the daughter of the priest is the witch that's um, using these totems to control people and make things happen or like control the demon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, why did she want to in the movie? Why did she, this witch lady want to I have no idea. Mess I with just, the glasses. I don't remember. This is just kind of how part of this. this I remember is, the totems, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I just I kind of like It was like a cult called the Rams or something like that. The Rams just heads this or weird thing like and apparently it was the the witch totem that's what led him to the other the girl's murder. That's that's why the Warrens were talking to the police in mm-hmm. the county is because they had a totem thing there too. And um, apparently, this witch lady sent one of the totems to uh, the Warrens, and Ed was like hallucinating and almost killed Lorraine in the movie. And he thought it was a big, he thought it was a big naked dead guy chasing yeah. him. That sounds familiar. <laughs> well, the big naked dead guy first appeared when they were in the. So this is after they found the body of the uh-huh. dead girl, right? And so Lorraine like touches the body of the dead girl, and she's able to trace the energy back to the the witch lady, and find found her altar sort of, mm-hmm. um, and then that's when the witch like kind of was using the energy to go back to Lorraine and brought this dead bloated guy uh, to life and use it to like try to kill her. He's kind of spooky. <laughs> and it was just like watching all of this. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Well, it, it, it makes for a great movie. I just didn't see the correlation. I, I couldn't correlate everything together though. That's what I was struggling. They with. just, it, they just reached so hard in this movie. I'm just like, uh, meanwhile, Arnie's getting possessed in the prison and floating. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I don't remember that. And shattering all the lights and everything around him. And the demon's, like, trying to 
basically kill Arnie in prison while Lorraine's uh-huh. running around in the uh, under the ground of the the priest trying to find trying to find this survive altar. the yeah. witch trying to kill her trying to find the altar. Um, I'm like super paraphrasing all of this because this it's, it's just going it's, very askew. <laughs> and I, because I, I, I was trying to find it, I was trying to find the correlation between everything. But but but, but the, the parts the were witch cool is, though. The witch is the one controlling the demon that tried to kill Arnie, and or uh-huh. she was the one trying to kill Arnie. I just I don't understand the whole totem thing. I just why this was in the movie. Like it just doesn't make any it's sense. It's true. And, and right now, as, as I'm trying to rethink it all through, I'm like. As I struggled watching it to put the correlation together, like right now I'm really struggling to put the correlation together. I just together. don't like, so Lorraine's running around in this underground cave, finds the altar. She's like, I got to destroy the altar to stop the witch. And so she's like, this thing is a, this is a massive like stone table with all this stuff on it. And Lorraine. And the mighty end. She's Lorraine's literally like trying to tip this table over. Like tip this altar over Man. and and break the altar, and I'm sitting there like watching this, and I'm like, okay, um, first off, why don't you just if like you're trying to stop the witch or slow her down at all? Why not knock the shit off the table? That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> why don't you just knock everything off the Instead table? Instead of just like trying to lift this big stone table by yourself, um, <laughs> knock the shit off the table. But um, then mighty mighty but, Patrick Wilson comes in with he his comes mighty in, well, sledgehammer. He's, he's being and goes controlled. Four. <laughs> yes, he's being controlled and. Uh, the witch is trying to use Ed with a sledgehammer to kill Lorraine and build unnecessary suspense um, because <laughs> you know that Lorraine Warren died two years ago in 2019. So, or at least I did. So I'm just like, I'm watching this. I'm like, this is all just Hollywood. This is all just crap. Um, <laughs> it's so far fetched. It makes for a good movie. Good action. It's, it's great action. Uh, Patrick Wilson, again, like blind to what's going on because then somehow getting sprayed in the ears. With steam in the second movie made him blind. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Yeah, and when he in the Enfield case in um, Conjuring Two, uh-huh. like he goes into the they break a hole in the door in the the laundry room in the basement. Uh, yes. And he climbs up through the floor. Yes. And as he's climbing through the floor, um, like a pipe bursts or something, and sprays steam on his face, and it like makes him blind and deaf for a little bit as he's like wandering around the house. Um, so it's like same thing. So in this movie, he's like the witch blew some he's, dust. He's being him. yeah. She did something, and the witch is like controlling him, and and is making Lorraine look like something that needs to be killed. And so he's like swinging. He's like John Henry here, <laughs> swinging on sledgehammer. Um, and then I guess Lorraine like somehow lures him to the altar and like ducks at the last finger or some shit. I was like, Ed, it's me. I love you. Yeah. And he swings. And he snaps out of it. He snaps out of it and he swings the sledgehammer and breaks the altar. And the witch's curse is broken and the demon comes and kills her. The end. What the hell? What is this movie doing? I I don't understand this. Yeah. It's the- crap. <laughs> but it I wouldn't mind. Good action and suspense. I wouldn't mind watching it again. It made great action suspense, but how it correlated with the whole story was very hard to wrap my head around. And as soon as the witch was killed by the demon, uh, Arnie was fine. And then convicted of manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's, I'm, I'm probably explaining this so bad. People are going to like listen to this podcast and be like, oh my God, I got to go see this movie now. Just so I can see how terrible it is. And then I'll get emails and be like, it wasn't that bad. Um <laughs> I'm very That's passionate. Very, at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. Very passionate about how terrible this movie is. 
I I like the movie, but yes, it's, yeah, yeah, oh it's very God. it's very stretched out. Like you, the whole thing with Alan, you know, the the boss slash landlord, where he's like this in this drunken days. It was very over the top. I was, it was hard to watch. It was a little. It was very over the top. Was like he was actually just splashing drunk, his though, so. like the way he was just splashing his beer because he was drinking beer in the movie. Not wine in in the house. I mean, he's, he's splashing his beer all over. I, I was getting very annoyed because my OCD is like, stop making a mess in your house. Your carpet's gonna stink. <laughs> <laughs> so the actual like story of what happened, the possession and the murder and all that, is actually very fascinating. Yeah, the, all this extra witchcraft bullshit that they throw in the movie, I'm just like, please no. Why? <laughs> I just, someone at work asked me this. Uh, Nerman, he probably might listen to this eventually. Um, he he asked me if I saw the movie, and I'm like, it's crap. And he's like, wasn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a, I mean, like I said, I'll see it again. I'll probably buy it because I collect movies, and I have uh, the first two Conjurings. I still need to buy, like, the Annabelle stuff and the Nun and whatnot, but um, it's it's such garbage, and I, I will buy it. I can guarantee you right now I'm going to buy this movie when it comes out. So let's go, let's go back to Arnie in real life. What say you all? Did he... Or not did he kill somebody, but was he possessed? Hmm. For me, the fact that, that he has, has shown a character of being a stand-up guy and then all of a sudden randomly, you know, kill, kill, killed this gentleman, Alan. But there is Yawning. people saying, yes, David was possessed and Arnie asked for it to come to him. Oh. I think, yes, he was so possessed. So, I... Here's my thing mm-hmm. is I've kind of made it clear on some of the other episodes how I feel about the Warrens. Um, yes. Um, I, like I straight up said the paranormal field would not be what it is today without them. They did a lot for the paranormal field. Um, the fact that they were Catholics and they just everything was a demon, 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 demon um, is very consistent with some other people that I've worked with. Um, just they throw the, the religion in it and just everything's demons. Um, but there's so, there's so much more to mm-hmm. what goes on. Um, I do think that it is possible the Warrens, um, at this point in time, were actually now famous because of the Amityville case. Yeah. Um, that's what shot them into fame uh, in 1977 or whatever. Um, and at the Amityville case, Lorraine actually did say, like, uh, direct around, like, our lives now belong to Warner Brothers. Um, and I don't know if it was the the, oh, my gosh lawyer or if it was the Warrens, but someone did say this story is worth millions. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that there's this guy named Gerard, uh, bitter or Butler or something like that. Not Butler. That's the actor. Actor. Yeah. Um, Oh, Biddle. I can't remember his name. There's an author. He's wrote a, like six or seven books on. Oh yeah. The yeah. Warrens. I think, I think Biddle is his last name. Uh, Gerard Biddle. Um, he wrote The Demonologist in like 1980. In 1983, he wrote The Devil in Connecticut, which is based on this story. Um, there's He's wrote several books on, and he's worked with the Warrens, and he said... No, The Haunting in Connecticut is a different one. No, this is The Demon in Connecticut. Oh, Demon in Connecticut. Because this, this happened in Connecticut. Okay. So yeah. there was the two cases in Connecticut. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was a different case. But the the book itself, um, I believe, is called Demon in Connecticut. So there was a book that was written in 1983, Brittle. I think it was. Brittle. Like, Brittle? Yeah, like Jimmy Brittle. Brittle. Um, yeah, so he wrote several books for the Warrens, working with the Warrens, using their case files and their studies to write their books. And uh, the one I read, The Demonologist, is actually a really good read. And it's actually the book that Vera and I think Patrick also 
read to get them in the mindset for the roles of Ed and Lorraine Warren in the first Conjuring movie. Um, the The Demonologist is a great read. I would recommend it because um, it jumps into some of their the Warrens' other cases, and I find these all fascinating. Now, I've said in the past that I think the Warrens were opportunistic in some cases. I don't think they were in all cases. Well, I mean, if they already have a deal with Warner Brothers and they're on a case that's got a lot of going on like that, I could see anyone going, yeah, this is worth millions because right. they're already signed. Um, But given the kid's background... Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to say. With the alcohol involved, I don't know how much he actually drank. Um, True. But with, it, I mean, it's entirely possible. So I'm I'm going to lean more towards demonic possession. Um, so the, and that okay. Well, let me ask you this, and that's that's your answer for Arnie. What do you think about David? Um, if it wasn't for David, Arnie probably wouldn't have had the experiences that he had. So you're saying so, David definitely was. I, I, I think so. Okay. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. They had six priests come in six and they performed like three exorcisms. Um, you don't do that. Yeah. From the Vatican, from the, yeah. If, if three of them came from the Vatican, you just, you just don't do that. Yeah. If it's, you don't have what you consider proof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to lean more towards that. There was some, influence from some sort of entity okay in this case i don't know if there was 43 um, uh-huh. with yeah. david but i think there it possibly could have been i think that yes david was uh having some spirit activity going on with him um also being possessed and everything and then when it comes to uh arnie arnie i'm thinking that either he was Blacked out drunk and did some dumb shit being blacked out drunk. And then, used and the then fact using that David had that, the... that had just happened, using that as a as a case just to uh, get him off the hook. Um, but at the same time, it could be possible. I mean, Stabby McStaverson over there just had to keep being stabby. Um, so, I mean, it, it goes down the whole stabby line of events. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah. just, it's just so out of character. From everything yeah. that I know about Arnie, it was just so out of character yeah. for him to do so, something like this. So I could see, um, just based on his character and everything, that he most likely wouldn't have done something like this um, without some type of influence. Well, and so not only intoxication, but spiritual. Yeah, which being drunk, uh, being intoxicated does leave oh. you more prone to uh, being yes. taken over. That's going to make you more vulnerable for something like that. Happening. And that's especially if, you, if you're if you blacked out, I mean, that's something that can take full control, I'm sure. And that's a good point. I mean, I've been blacked out drunk and have been on autopilot and people say, like, you were that drunk like i don't remember any of that stuff and they're like dude you we had full-on conversations you seem great <laughs> so i think um with all the warrens cases I mean, even these big ones like uh, amityville i'm we can talk about that another time mm-hmm. but i do think that there were some sort of entity involved in all of their cases um i don't know if they're necessarily all demonic um but i i think that they legit wouldn't have been there had there not actually been some kind of paranormal activity going on. Um, but I do know that in 2006, this Gerard uh, Brittle had re-released his book, 
the devil made me do it or devil in Connecticut or whatever it was called. Um, and Carl, um, Glettel, the older brother of David. I don't know. I think he might've been younger than Debbie. Uh, actually spoke out and I think David and Carl actually sued Gerard and the Warrens, um, saying that the book was a hundred percent false, that none of the events actually happened. And that, um, David basically was just suffering from illness-induced hallucinations. And hmm. um, I guess the Warrens kind of, right from the get-go, were just kind of like, this is just a cash grab. You guys are just trying to make money off of this. But then again, the same thing could have been said about the Gerard and the Warrens. Um, I I personally believe that like all these cases that they worked on, I, I, I do think that sometimes they might have tried to get some of these bigger ones or be involved in these bigger ones like Enfield in the movie that said, uh, in the second conjuring, like one of the priests is like this, they played a voice or played a recording of this old man's voice. And mm-hmm. they're like, it's from 11 year old girl. The church wants you to check it out. Um, most people said that the Warrens just showed up uninvited. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I honestly might do the same thing. Like, Hey, there's a big case. I want to go work on it. Yeah. I would. Um, <laughs> I want to be involved in this. But, yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd go as far as, you know, writing books and trying to sell my stories. I do it free here on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but then this wasn't around. I don't, podcast want, I don't know why the Warrens just didn't do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have totally just done a podcast. Yeah, they could have uh, back in the day. They did a lot of interviews and lectures and stuff. They traveled yeah. and, and taught. So That was their way of podcasting was lectures. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. The Warrens, the Warrens, um, are great. They're great people. Um, I think they did a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, I do think they may have taken some advantage of some people. I don't know if they, you could say take advantage of them, but just use their story because they were involved in the case. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, if there's a high profile, something going on, and you want to, yeah, you definitely want to be a part of it. Um, I mean, they're hustlers. They're they're doing something they love and trying to make a living off of it. Yeah, trying that, to be the that, best makes, at that it. makes perfect sense. So um, I mean, if they want to dedicate that much time to it, be to be the best at what they do, um, I mean, yeah, I could see wanting to make a living off of it to be able to give that much time to it. Because if it's just a hobby, like for us, I mean, we can't give do all that and stuff. I mean, they were doing lectures and all that other stuff to actually. If we all make a quit living. our jobs. I wouldn't want to. We could travel the country <laughs> and the world teaching people about... Just podcasting. Just podcasting, podcasting around the world. Podcasting around the world. <laughs> That's paranormal. We do this. We're on YouTube. We're yeah. around the world. You're right. I don't know. Like I said, they did a lot of good for a lot of people, and the paranormal wouldn't field wouldn't be what it is today without them. Truth. Truth. Jinx. Ha, 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 ha. No, they did a lot of good. So I do think that they were opportunistic at sometimes. Um, but we're talking about three movies, three cases, or four or five, maybe, with, if you want to throw in Annabelle and Amityville. Yeah. Um, that are mainstream, like big cases out of the thousands and thousands of cases they right. did. So um, obviously, like, they. I'm sure they went to a lot of places where there was nothing going on. Probably. For as and many they, they even do that in, I think, the first Conjuring movie. They went and. Went to someone's house and they're like, "Oh, it's just the you know the pipe settling." Oh, he was telling them all about the debunking, pretty much. So, I I probably painted this bad picture of them 
um, through the last few episodes. But they, they honestly, I think they did a lot of good. I, I think they, they did, did more good than they did harm. I love the Warrens. It's the Lutz family. I don't have any respect for. Um, <laughs> that's a whole different story, different topic, different podcast for a different day. <laughs> and we'll get to it. Well, guys, should we call that? I think yeah. so. All right. Well, thanks everybody. This has been a this has been a good one. So this was a fun series. Yeah, it was. That was We're a fun from, little from Conjuring One to the interview we did with Andrea Perrin and and then the, this this latest movie. I'm curious what will be Conjuring Four. Amityville? Where they'll go next? No, probably. They were already involved with it. Yeah, the they Amityville showed that. One. Was that the one with? Um, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Right. Well, is yeah, that the one that Lorraine two, was involved in? 2005. Actually, they uh, they assisted on both movies. Okay. The 1979 one and then the 2005 one. They Lorraine was involved in both those movies. Got it. She consulted on them, as she did with the first two Conjuring movies. Don't know how much consulting she did on this one. Probably don't Probably think not, because she, she died in 2019. Yep. All right, everybody. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna die because ghosts. You don't play that. Peace <laughs> out, butterflies. Bye bye. <laughs>